So you might want to wipe your eyes and check, yes, I'm standing up here and I'm about to preach a sermon. So you guys probably didn't expect that, but here we go. <laughs> um, I'm so thankful for Providence Bible Church in general. I've been here two years uh, in Mer- since the merge, I think two years, something like that. And I've just been blessed beyond belief from the, the pe- from you guys, from just the times that I've got, had to talk with you, from days where I've gone to you and been like, guys, listen to what happened last last week, and this is stupid stuff I did. And then people listening to me, and just thank you so much for speaking into my life, and I'm just so thankful for you guys. And I'm very honored to share the word with you, because you guys are way ahead of me in, my, in a, your spiritual walk, and for me to even try to open the word and give you application, it's humbling to say the least. So my desire now is to pray for God's help and so that this will not be just another sermon that God will use this in your lives and we can walk out of here changed and different. Almighty God, we come before you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone here, every heart. I thank you for my family being here. God, I I pray that this will not be moments that are wasted. God, I've sat through so many sermons and heard so many sermons and have came out nowhere different. Couldn't even tell you any anything that the person talked about. God, I pray that this will not be not not because of me, but because of your word. And God, you promised your word won't return void. Lord, I pray for boldness, confidence, relaxed nerves as I speak today. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work. God, may your Spirit guide me in my thoughts, in my voice, and in everything I do. And God, may the enemy stay away from everyone in this room. And God, I pray that you will work in every single heart. I am confidently praying, God, work in every single heart here. You are big, you are almighty, and you are great. We praise you and thank you for Jesus and his death and his rising again. In his powerful name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So, how many of you guys have heard of the book, Heaven is for Real? Little boy sees heaven. There have been a couple books written like that. There was another one, I can't remember the name of it, where it said some little boy went to heaven. And then there's another book that was written by some guy spending 23 minutes in hell or something like that. So, that one was not as joy-giving as the, as the others. <laughs> So, The Heaven is For Real actually became a movie because of its popularity. And really early, not even, I would even say when I was thinking about God and for a Christian, I, I loved the idea of what these books because I was just so enthralled by somebody could have been to heaven. And I, I remember reading Heaven is For Real and I read most of it and I teared up a little bit just at the, the imagery that he used. But... Something with that is it's there's such a big fascination with that. And I think it's because we want to know what's next. We want to see what's up there because we're on earth. We hear all these Bible stories and to hear those stories makes it seem so true to us. It's like it just adds to it. And what's interesting is when I come to the book of Revelation, it's like I'm not as excited to read it as I would be a heaven is for real book. 
I'm not at all saying Heaven is for Real is a good book to read. I wouldn't read it if I was you. But what's interesting is I, I just, why would I take that book over this one? And what's interesting is that's what Revelation is. It is about a guy who was very old in age, who was exiled because of his belief on an island of Patmos, and he sees a vision of heaven. And that's what he speaks about. You see through the book, um, he uses words that just trying to describe who God is, and he's very vague. He's very specific, but he's very vague at some points because he can't explain what he saw. He said there was something like carnelian color and all these weird... He's trying to describe these creatures, and it's interesting, to say the least. So if you'd open your Bible to Revelation... We'll be in chapter 5, but really quick, I want to run through a quick run through of of 1 through 4, just so that we're not lost. So, first you see, it's just John saying the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. Um, And then he keeps going, and he said, blessed the one to hear it. And he said, to the seven churches. There are seven churches in Asia, um, chapter, or in verse 4, that he says, these are, these are, this is who I'm writing to. And then he says, he quotes some stuff of him coming in verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on the account of him. Even so, amen. So he's pointing to the coming of Christ. And then he, he points down, he says, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation, and the kingdom and the patience, endurance, that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So here we see John as John is saying, this is to you guys who are struggling in temptation, struggling in tribulation. And these seven churches needed to pick me up. And what's amazing is I don't think they would have any clue the, the amount of encouragement they were about to get. They were about to get a huge vision that I could not even tell you all what it means because it is confusing beyond a doubt. But then he's, he says, Then I turned to see a voice that was speaking to me, and turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe with a long slash around his chest. The hairs of his head were, were wool, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, a lot of us kind of wonder at heaven how we'll react. That sounds like a... A weird picture of Jesus, uh, the sword coming out of his mouth, I couldn't even explain to you. But he does the response that almost all of us would do. We fall dead. He does not shake his hand. He doesn't say, hey, how's it going? I missed you because he had seen Jesus while he was on earth. But he falls dead. If you Just to give you an idea of this is, have you guys ever seen in churches where somebody will be slain in the spirit? I'm not saying this is this, I promise. <laughs> but... It, the idea of just falling over, I, I, I'm assuming that, that John fell forward, not backwards, and not the weird stuff that goes on in that re- arena. But 
I'm going to get off that. <laughs> but, and he said, fear not, I am the first and the last, which just in general, I, I don't know if I'd respond in those words. Fear not. I mean, you have a sword coming out of your mouth. How am I supposed to not fear you? <laughs> and then he says, he's the living one. He died and alive forevermore. He has the keys of death and Hades. And he says, write therefore the things that you have seen, that those are, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand, the seven gold, golden lampstands, the seven churches are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So he at least a little bit helps us understand what's going on, but at the same time doesn't answer that much. And then chapter 2 and 3, I'm just going to briefly go over is just seven specific, seven accounts of to these churches of things they were struggling with things they were really doing good at and some few churches were doing great they didn't have any problems but he was trying to encourage them but at the same time he was rebuking them and saying you guys have forgot your first love you're doing all these things you have false teaching and what it, he's so these churches needed this which brings us to chapter 4 and he said, after this, I look, behold, and a door standing open in heaven. Now, this is where Revelation gets really interesting. In the first voice which I heard speaking to me, trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. I wasn't going to read this, but I was supposed to read this to get how odd this is. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seat on the throne. And he who sat there had appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had an appearance of an em emerald. I can't even picture that in my mind. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, peals of thunder. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. I don't even know what seven spirits of God means, to be honest with you. <laughs> and before the throne was, it was like a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the, each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. It's the next odd thing. Then he begins to name these four creatures. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man odd, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. I don't even know how to picture these living creatures. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around, within and day and night. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, thanks to Him who is seated on a throne who lives forever and ever. So in general, these four living creatures who are frightening, if I would see, if any of us would see these living creatures, we would fall on our faces. But yet, these four living creatures are worshiping God. They are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all they say. To me, that sounds boring. If I sing a song and the chorus repeats more than two or three times, I'm a little like, okay, here we go again. But these creatures apparently find joy in saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. I think that shows the magnitude of they understand who they are praising. And these four living creatures are not creatures who are weak, but they are creatures who feel weak in front of God. 
because of how strong God is. And the 24 elders fell down before him and are seated on the throne and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed. Now before I get chapter 5, I love that, that last part. For you created all things and your will they existed and created. It is only by the power of God that, that the world sustains we do not have to worry about the world ending because of our bad stewardship of the world, because God is in control of everything. If God were to stay one word, we would all die. If God were wanted to, he could throw us all in the pits of hell. If it were not for Jesus, none of us would be able even to have a relationship with him. A lot of times we point at science for being why the reason the world turns. God is the one who turns it. God is the one that does all these things. And he is the powerful one. So now we get to chapter 5, where the story sh shifts a little bit. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read these 14 verses. Stay with me, okay? I want you guys to read along with me and stay with me, because I, I know 14 verses start think drift off. But picture this in your mind. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written with within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it, look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then... I looked up and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, a.k.a. a lot, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing, honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That is a powerful image of the, what is going on in heaven of the God that we sing to, that we pray to, and that we worship. Every single moment of every single day, four living creatures fall, go around the throne of God and say, worthy, worthy, worthy. Or they say, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. That amazes me. 
that in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of things that sometimes I think that prayer is boring, I'm praying to a God where many amazing things are happening. First now, I have five points of application, but first, then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. I want to keep one thing in our minds. God is in power. Amidst an election in which many Christians have freaked out, have said, this is the end of the nation. If this person gets elected, we are done. I want us to remind one thing, God is on the throne. I don't care if we get a Republican, Democrat, or whatever else kind of party we get, we have a lamb who's ruling. We do not have to fear. Do you think that once Donald Trump started running, Jesus was on his throne and started to sweat a little bit? Do you think when he started gaining traction, he started sweating? Do you think if Hillary Clinton were to win, God would be alarmed? God will not be alarmed. Do you think the moments when ISIS destroys all these people, do you think he goes, what are we going to do? Do you think with climate change, he goes, I mean, if they could just change some laws, they'll be, able to, they'll be all right. No, Jesus does not back down. He's not frightened, he's not scared, he's not wringing his hands, he's not doing any of that because he is on the throne. God is in power. And I think it's important for us to remember in the midst of our day-to-day lives when things happen, we, we get so freaked out, we forget one thing. God is in control. God is on the throne. He calls the shots. And one thing I want to say too that if God's people can go through the reigns, as many bad kings as they had, then go through the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, and still have Jews living today, I think God can get us through whatever's next in our nation. I wholeheartedly believe that. God loves us. God cares for us. Now, there may be casualties, but one thing I can remember is that God cares for His people. He will not shy away. He is not afraid. He is not afraid the fact that a Supreme Court justice died and we might get a liberal Supreme Court justice. He's not afraid of that. He's not sitting there going, oh no, I mean, who, who's going who's gonna to hold up my, my word? He's not scared. Trust me, he's not. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on, on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So here you see this mighty angel which I love the fact that he uses the word mighty angel to remind us that this is a big angel. And he says with a loud voice, make sure everybody hears, who can open this seal? These seals are what gets the future going. It's what's next. And then he's John, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. And I want us to try to get from this to keep our perspective on Christ. Something I want to point out is I don't think John should have been weeping because John had walked with Jesus. John had put his head on his chest at the Last Supper. John had even seen partly Jesus in chapter 1. So if anybody could open the scroll, it would have been Jesus. But for some reason, John forgot that and began weeping. And I think it's interesting is he's the only one weeping. 
And I began weeping loudly because no one was found worthy to open a scroll or to look into it. John had lost perspective of the Jesus he loved. He was a disciple whom it said that loved, I can't remember what that phrase, the one whom he loved or Jesus, yeah, something like that, <laughs> something like that. But he's the one that was closest to Jesus while he was on earth. But yet he's weeping because he's forgotten that, there, that Jesus is strong. And we in our lives need to keep our perspective straight. In the midst of everything that looks like it's hopeless, it looked hopeless that nobody under the earth could open the scroll. Those four living creatures, I would assume, are pretty strong. I would assume a mighty angel could be able to open the seals. I would assume some big person on the planet could open the seals. But apparently not. I would be alarmed. I probably would weep too. I probably would be a John and be like, well, this is hopeless. Well, good. I'm glad I'm up here because now we're done. But one thing we need to keep in mind is Jesus is powerful. Jesus is the one that can do it all. And I want you guys to listen to the way that the angel comforts him. Actually, one of the elders comforts John. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open, the se open its seals. The elder points back to the fact that stop weeping. There is one who can open it. And the same thing in our lives. When we look at a world, when things seem scary, when we watch the news, which can be one of the most harmful things that you can do in your life, because it is one dismal depression. If you watch the news, most people watch the news and then walk away thinking the world's going to end. If you turn on the news, it's just... I just don't, I mean, it's, it's good to keep up with what's going on in the world, but at the same time, please don't bathe yourself in the news because you come away depressed and not trusting God because the world's scary. But I want us, but he reminds us, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David is conquered. He's saying, listen, the lion, he uses the word lion, lion, he is conquered. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. If I would have just heard the word lamb, I would not have been that impressed. Can you imagine standing in heaven and him going, here comes the lion, the tribe of Judah, and a lamb shows up? Well, good. Thanks, elder. That's, that's somebody that's going to help us. But this lamb is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is a lion and he is a lamb. He is both. He is a lion in strength and he is a lamb in softness and gentleness. Many times in our lives we need to keep perspective of the lion and the lamb part of Jesus. Jesus is a very gentle, loving God. But at the same time, he will not stand for wickedness in our world. If you keep going on through Revelation, you will see him handle every single person that is against him. ISIS will face God, and they will be fearful. Those that, that kill, those that, that do things that are wrong, will have to face God. If they don't come to Jesus Christ and, and repent of their sins and ask for him to be their Savior, they will have to face God. We all, will, we will all stand before Him, but praise God that we are covered in the blood of the Lamb. And something else, 
And when he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Something else I want us to notice. One, God is in perspective. No, God is in power. Keep our perspective on Christ and prayer. Many times I've heard this question, if God knows everything, why pray? I believe that that question should not, if we understood God completely the way we should, we should not even ask that question. Because we need to understand is that our prayers matter. There is a bowl of prayers of saints. Our prayers are in a bowl in heaven. I don't know, have you guys seen, this might be blasphemous to, to mention this movie, but I'm going to go ahead. Bruce Almighty, that where, <laughs> where the, he becomes, I guess, substitute, yeah, whatever. And <laughs> then he goes to the computer and all the prayers are on there and he like hits accept or yes or whichever. That's not how that's not how God works. And don't think our prayers don't just go up and just stay somewhere and they're just our prayers go farther than the ceiling, trust me. And the fact that our prayers are kept in in heaven as a sacrifice, as this is old testament language, gold prayer bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, these are offered to God is amazing. And I think that's what one thing we need to keep in our mind is prayer. Because my only one thing I want to ask of this church is that we would be a praying people. I wholeheartedly believe the fact that God is completely sovereign and God is completely working out things for His glory. But at the same time, God never takes prayer out of the equation. Never. Anytime you read through church history, if you read through the book of Acts, prayer, God moves. Prayer, God moves. Not because God is hinging on the fact that His people were to talk to Him, but because God uses that. God, in His sovereignty, in His deciding, decided to use the prayers of His people. So, I believe as a church, that is one thing I pray and ask that we, could, we would continue in. The Wednesday night things where we had, where we would, we read through the book, scripture, praying through Scripture, and we had moments where we were all together and praying. I want us to have more of that. And, let, and I'm going to say this wholeheartedly. If we don't have more of that, something is not. We need that. We do. If we want God to work, not because God is hinging on us, but we need to pray. Jer- and I don't know if you guys have heard about the Haystack Prayer Revival happened in America. It happened two years Jeremiah Lampfner or something like that, I can't pronounce his name. He, there was a time, I don't know when this was, you guys might remember this, or hopefully I'm not saying anybody's too old, is that there was a, from 12 to 1, all shops were closed. Were any of you guys around for that, or am I just, okay, sorry. (laughs) I didn't remember the date, otherwise I wouldn't have mentioned that. (laughs) So, during this hour, he thought, well, we're not doing anything, shops are closed, I want people to get people to pray. This guy's an unemployed man in New York City. He's uneducated, but he got his people together and prayed from 12 to 1. I don't know if it's the whole time or what, but he just started spreading, and the word started spreading. And this prayer revival sped off into America. Two years, this revival 
Two million people accepted Jesus. And I don't mean as in they said a prayer, Balor had prayer, say something so they get to go to heaven. I say these people accepted Jesus Christ in two years. Prayer changes things. My number of exactly how many people accept Christ might be wrong, but one thing I know is that many people were saved because of the fact of Jesus, Christ's death, and the fact that his people were praying. I am begging this church that we would be a praying people as a body. And in the midst of three months where we would have to go to another building, we need to be praying. That is one thing that we cannot cease on. God uses prayer mightily. There is not one ounce of, there's nothing God can't do through prayer. I wholeheartedly believe that. At the same time, as we pray, let us remember praying to the one who is in heaven. That as we pray to God, he in the midst of that is getting saying, creatures going around him. His throne has lightning and thunder. He, the image that we see in Revelation 5, 4 and 5, is the one who we're praying to every single moment of every single day. I bet that should move us to pray. I'm not here to beat you with a stick and say, pray, pray, pray. What I'm doing is I want you to look into your heart and picture what's going on in heaven. Picture how big God is and let that move you to pray. Imagine the power of the one you're praying to and then pray. I'm not saying here, let's do this ritually without God. Let us look at the mightiness of God and then let us be moved to pray. And I promise you, because I believe in the power of God, that something will happen even in Southern West Virginia Providence Bible Church. God wants to do mighty things, and we need to pray. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. I want us also to look at the focus God's focus on people. He cares about every single... God does not care what your skin color is because God made them that way. God does not care about how odd you are because God made you that way. God does not care if you look different. God does not care about deformities because guess what? God made you that way. I think as a church, we tend to forget that God is cares for every single person on this planet. He died for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So the question whether or not for the person in Africa that has never heard of Jesus Christ from the tribe that is yet to be reached, that tribe will be reached. And someone out of that tribe will believe. God cares. I think many times we can get some idea of we don't like people's personality, we don't like we think this person's weird and that's not how we're supposed to think. Every single person is made in the image of God, every single personality, everything. Let us pray. I'm still this is God is still working with me in this. When I see somebody and I say that's weird, they're weird, I need to step back and look at the fact that God made them. God made them. I need to pray that God would help me see the beauty that they have. This whole idea, this is beauty, this person's beauty, this person's not, this person's 
attractive, this person's ugly, is false. God created every single person with every single feature. And I pray that we not forget that. And I pray that as we see people in the streets, I pray that we just, for anybody, let's not be people who are discriminatory. Let us not be people that are, if anything, as people have claimed us to be bigots and things like that, I think, if anything, God is the most loving activist in the whole universe. Because he cares more than anybody else cares. Trust me. Let us remember the fact that God cares for people. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders have voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Something I want to point out here is praise. Our praises to God. I think sometimes when we praise and we worship, we tend to forget that we're, pra we're praising God. Maybe He's in our mind, but we get this idea of God as an emotionless being, as if He doesn't get pleasure when we praise Him. No, I mean, my, I'm horrible at singing, but God brings pleasure when I sing to Him. And I have to remember, <laughs> are you amen the fact I can't sing or the... <laughs> but... It's, it's true. In the morning when I pray to God and when I praise Him, He gets pleasure from it. I've had to remind myself of that, and it makes me want to praise Him more. When I think the fact that when I sing, God, you're getting pleasure from this, like, God, this is exciting you. Out of all the things I do that are wrong, this brings you joy. And you might, have, you might not feel it, but you just remind yourself because it's faith. Remind yourself every time, God, you're getting joy from this. It's a two-way street. And it's interesting is, Oskinus in, in the book The Call mentioned the audience of one. And he said, I'm going to give a paraphrase, I don't want to quote with me, but he mentioned that if we could understand that the audience of the one to whom we're praising, we're living for, the rest of everybody else, the audience of everybody else won't matter. And that's wholeheartedly true. We need to care about his audience than anything else. And I heard somebody say that no matter if they were alone preaching, if they were by themselves singing, at least they know one thing. They have an audience of God who is listening. As I'm preaching right now, praise, and as I'm preaching right now, God hears me and God is being pleased. Let us live for the audience of the one who sits on the throne because he's worth it. C.S. Lewis also gave a quote in which he, he mentioned that we, just in a summary, that we live for such half-hearted pleasures. If we could understand of the joys that are in Jesus, that are in praising Jesus, the rest of those things we do start to just go down. They don't matter. Because G And another thing is, John Piper said, God is most glorified, Okay, I'm forgetting the quote. God is most glorified when we are glorified. What is it? God is most... Yeah, yeah, that, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I, I believe that. I believe that when we pray... when we, I'm going to switch that quote a little bit. When we praise God, God is very... It, 
brings God much joy when we are praising Him. And when we find joy in Him, not in just praise and just little things. If you could just enjoy your day and say, God, thank you for the day. God gets joy from that. And I think that's a very big thing for us to remember. Saying with a loud voice, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This scene caused the elders to worship. The reason I picked this text is because I want us as a church body to remember who Jesus is. Remember who God is. I think in the midst of our American Christianity, we can forget. We can try to do things through programs. We can do things through, if we can just say this right, have a good sermon. We need to remember the one who leads us, who is our shepherd. And a couple things. I want us to remember that God is in power. I want us to, remember, I want us to keep perspective on Jesus, even when things don't look right. I want us to be a praying people. I want us to focus on people because God is a multinational, multi-caring for all people groups. And in our praise, let us remember we are praising that God. Every moment of every second, that God is being praised by four living creatures who are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is the God who we get to pray to. And that is amazing. That is the God who we get to talk to. That is the God who we get to sing to. That is the God who we get to do church for. That is the God who will lead us. We do not have to fear about not getting a building because guess what? We have a God who leads us. Whether it be in a building or not a building, we have God. And I know in the midst of the fact that we've had people leave this church, we've had some things go on, I want us to remember one thing is that God is on the throne. Let us not lose heart. Let us keep meeting together. Let us not forget who God is. Things happen in our lives that are hard, but we have a God who can overcome everything. The lion, the tribe of Judah, has conquered and will continue conquering. Let us not fear of ISIS. Let us not fear of any presidential candidate. Let us not fear of any governmental idea of anything. Let us focus on Jesus. And not the Jesus that we see in paintings that makes him look small. Let us remember, let it sear into our hearts, God, Jesus, is huge. He is colossal. He is strong. He is stronger than any being on this earth. He, if he said one word, could move all the planets in any way he wants. That's power, and that's the one we talk to. That's the one who we need to keep our perspective on. That's the one who cares for all the people around the world. And in closing, John wrote down this vision. And as we saw a vision of somebody who actually went to heaven, I pray that we also would just get joy from this vision. May we be excited to read this because of the mysteries that are in heaven. Not all questions are answered when you read Revelation because that's the point. It wants to point you to the fact that there are still things we have yet to understand. Revelation is a mystery, but at the same time, there are things that God helped us to understand and that we need to remember. 
is that people will write books saying they went to heaven, but let us go back to this book and look at that and look at that vision and be comforted. And I'm going to conclude in prayer, and Jason is going to come up and lead us in a song so that we also can praise the one who is on the throne. God, I could not adequately do this text justice. I'm not adequate to stand up here and preach your word. I could not even try to explain so many things that go on in, in this passage. But God, I pray that something was said today that will move in our hearts. I pray that this church will be a, a church that is focused on you, that will pray and it will care for the people that you died for. Lord, you were good. Thank you for having pleasure from our praise. And thank you for the many things that you're going to do through this body. I thank you for all of them and for the impact they've had in my life. It is in the holy name of the Lamb who sit, who is in heaven. I pray. Amen. God, we are thankful. We are joyous. And at the same time, we're also repentant. Because we do have such a small picture of you. We have a small picture of what Jesus did on the cross through the resurrection. Help us to see. Help us to have a vision that is as big as you are, God. For our individual lives, for our corporate life. And may we know the Lamb who was slain, but who was alive forevermore and who sits and reigns upon the throne, is a friend of ours. May it move us to prayer. May it move us to praise. May we be focused on people. And may you get the glory out of all of God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant who brings the word. Thank you for this group of people. And now may you receive glory and honor and blessing and praise and strength and might and dominion and power as we sit around and eat together as we go our separate ways today. May it be for your glory. And may we know it. May we show it in everything that we do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness and your power. And we pray what we pray and ask what we ask. As a sweet incense that you'll hold in your bowl until we see you face to face, God. And we do it in Jesus' name. You're dismissed. Stay with us.